Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, political discussion that from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Mm-hmm. You chose to swallow right then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we're here to talk about this week's news and politics. Lectured by you. Um, yeah, we're back. Yeah. Um, we should be back on a relative, we should be back to schedule now, I think. We've had so much on and like, like okay, so we're the... Um, Kids have just split up. Well, I say kids, A level students yeah. have just spl- just finished. <clears throat> yeah. Today was my daughter's last day of school. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and now they're into um, revision leave and all that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. So we've, I've been having a lot of you know stress and like making sure because unlike a lot of podcasters, we have dependents that that worry and need our, <laughs> need our help sometimes. Um, so sometimes you know like like every other unlike pod- these other atomized podcasts. <laughs> These atomized millennials bouncing from party to bar to yeah other party yeah um, so yeah I had to, so I've, we have I've, never been to a party <laughs> so I had stuff to do but I think yeah it should be all done now and you've had like I've all... got like literally every everything that can possibly happen to a person at one time short of God bless. God, God forbid, a hospital visit. Yeah, um, like your girlfriend's best friend getting married. Yeah, married. Mar- well, it's, that's the thing they don't. Thing. That's the thing they don't tell you when after you're thirty. Every spring, mm. everybody emerges from their chrysalis and wants you to do stuff. Mm-hmm. The selfish people getting married and going for job interviews and moving house and all this kind of stuff. It's uh, tiring. It 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 fills you out. Yeah. Fucking horrible. Yeah, but luckily those things seem to all be done now. Yeah. <laughs> so the only thing that, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, the only thing that's going to distract me is the next expansion for Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Can you fit it in with the rest of your your schedule though? That's the that's the real question. Yeah, division is taken out of me. Mm. I have start playing Zelda. <laughs> oh, have you? Mm-hmm. How are you enjoying it? It's beautiful. Really is. Um, also, I'm back on fighting games. So, like, all, like splitting my time between Tekken Seven, Dragon Ball Fighters, and Smash Brothers while on the while on the toilet or on the sofa. <laughs> there is literally nothing more satisfying than playing competitive Smash Brothers while on the toilet. <laughs> it's an amazing future we live in. I love it. <laughs> Every other part of the future that we live in, I hate. And yeah. it fills me with nothing but dread. But being Kirby and beating up Cloud while on the toilet is pretty awesome. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So since <clears throat> we last recorded, what, did, what we the had... hell did we do last time? Oh yeah, it was um yeah, it was the MEP candidates had just started to rebellion. be a, to be announced an Extinction Rebellion. Yes, mm-hmm. I remember that. So that's all gone. <clears throat> Everyone's forgotten about Extinction Rebellion. Um, climate change uh, is solved. Um, yep, cool. Yep. Um, but we had the local elections. Yes. We have. Um, so that uh, was last Thursday. And <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I, my heart was warmed by the Lib Dem fight back. Yeah. The Lib Dem surge. <laughs> the yellow surge. <laughs> um, where they won pretty much the seats they'd lost in 2015 <laughs> through the medium of Tories not bothering to vote anymore. <laughs> Because they they feel so betrayed. So uh, overall, uh, the Conservatives lost control of forty four councils. They lost more than thirteen hundred council seats. Uh, it's the worst Conservative local election performance since nineteen ninety five, when they lost more than two thousand seats. 
Uh, Labour, despite topping the polls, lost six councils and 80 seats. I love the, um, the, the coverage of the Conservatives. Of, the, between the, the Conservatives and the Labour Party have lost close to 1,400 seats between them. That's the real <laughs> story here, like yeah. the actual media coverage of the local elections. Because it was like, it was absolutely blinding. There were two elements to it. One was, as you suggest, Labour, the Labour and Tory vote collapsing, mm-hmm. which was actually the Tory vote collapsing and the uh, Labour vote kind of maintaining. Um, yeah. Like a lot of the loss, a lot of the Labour losses is because well, they, to be honest, like I think I've said it, we we said it before. I wouldn't vote Labour in a local election. Labour councils are dreadful. It's one of the worst aspects that that of like political life that has never been addressed mm. is Labour councils are to, like almost to a person the most right wing element of the party. Yeah, and lazy. Um, they are Lazy property largely indistinguishable from the Tories. Yep, in that they're all they're all property developers, mm. or like um, the one like the Sunderland Council. One of them was a paedophile. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see that. Well, yeah, it's like oh look, Labour lost Sunderland. What does that say about Brexit? What does that say about all the flip floppings? Well, well, it says one of them was a paedophile <laughs> who literally <laughs> well, is in prison now. I, I think. mean, that's the second. That's the second element of it, which that the narrative started very very early on Thursday night and Friday morning mm. of. This is a clear rejection of Brexit, like institutional Brexit, Brexit as it exists. Yeah. I, I don't know. But both sides were were kind of claiming, I mean, Theresa May was out claiming this is a clear message to say, get on with Brexit, which I think is... She sees everything as a clear message to carry on with Brexit. <laughs> she walks out, of, walks out into the Agora in Pompeii and looks up at the mountain on fire and goes, well, this is obviously a clear signal to continue with Brexit. <laughs> While Boris Johnson sits there furiously trying to crack one last one out. <laughs> and he's kind of buried in that position. Yes, forever. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that narrative started very early on that this was a clear rejection. I mean, obviously the Tories play politics on easy mode. So for some reason, losing 1,300 seats was seen as like just no big deal. Just yeah. natural. Um, we've all had those bad those bad games of Call of Duty where your kill death ratio is shocking. It doesn't mean that you're a bad player. It just means that you know you just you know. Why are you looking at me when you say bad kill death ratio in Call of Duty? Because well, I'm terrible yeah, at that game. You are terrible. You're terrible at all games. But, I'm not terrible at all games. But, um, but yeah, but yeah, they um, they get to. They, it's it's really hard to deal with how off, how easy they get it. Yeah. It, and and especially when the 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 media have a pre have a preconditioned narrative of Labour need to oppose Brexit, Labour mm-hmm. need to return to become our Remain party. Yeah, because um, we want it. Because we want it. Um, there's the the issue of kind of divining meaning out of local elections. Anyway, now this local election had a really atrocious turnout yeah it was there was a, a statistician that i've i was looking at a, a blog post uh, simon briscoe mm-hmm. um now he took chelmsford as an example mm-hmm. um the change compared with the local elections in 2015 uh the simple mean of turnout percentage in each of the 24 wards in chelmsford fell from 69 percent in 2015 to 33 nice. percent in 2019, oh, nice. instead of two in three voting, it was only one in three. Half of those voting in 2015 couldn't be bothered this time. Now, the local elections, there are loads of other factors involved. There was a general election at the same time as yeah, the local yeah. elections yeah, in 2015. Um, and the other 
thing is that it's very difficult to divine meaning from the local elections because there's no centralised, standardised way of portraying the information gathered yeah. from local elections. Yeah. Each council has their own website. You have to find the right page. Yeah. You have to find the right PDF or whatever and then kind of collate the information from yeah. there. Um, but yeah, like further kind of examination from a, a couple of a different um, people examining, analysing the, uh, the local election seems to suggest that the kind of the Lib Dem total actually didn't go up that much the actual total number of votes cast for them um to uh, again this is uh uh simon briscoe taking chelmsford uh chelmsford as an example um the total lib dems lib dem votes rose fractionally from 38,000 to 39,000 across chelmsford it wasn't that rise that got the lib dems the bulk of their new seats it was rather that the result of the conservative vote falling from 97,000 to 40,000 <laughs> Jesus. Um, in some wards, the Lib Dem <laughs> vote rose, and in others it fell. But in three quarters of the wards, the change per candidate was less than 200. So not much either way. Um, so it's, it, it's quite hard to suggest that this is the huge Lib Dem surge. As you mentioned, mm -hmm. they lost a lot of um, votes after the coalition years. Mm -hmm. But I definitely, if I was a Lib Dem now, I mean, maybe you'd might be thinking that the stink of the coalition has finally washed off them. They keep on saying um, it has. But yeah, well, you would. But they're the only well, ones got, that I mean, say it. You would. You've got no other option. Breitbart if said you're it as well, Dem. remember? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, they keep on saying that lead. Like, Magic Nawaz, he was saying it. <laughs> it's like, imagine being the, like, um, the, the main British Liberal Party and you've just come off, you know, you've won a load of councils. Mm. The numbers and everything, whatever. Mm. You've got a load more councils. Mm -hmm. And basically the narrative is that uh, the reason you were like that is because the Labour Party didn't take its rightful place as the Liberal, as the kind of <laughs> Britain's main Liberal Party. Yeah. You know, it's so, it must be quite disheartening to be a Lib Dem, and good. Yeah, um, I think it's always been disheartening to be a Lib Dem, really. Mm. Um, but, you know, they're, they're an odd people. Very like, odd. Act, like actual dyed-in-the-wool Lib Dems. Mm. Um See, so, you know, they're, they're hard to interpret. Yeah. Um, but so, it's, it's going to be weird, because see, like, with the European elections coming up at the end of the month. Yes, yeah. May 23rd, um, 22nd or 23rd. Because seeing some of the poll data of, like, the way the, way the Tory vote's going, and it's like... That was and a the Brexit, motion. Yep, and the Brexit party vote is going whoop, up into a hile. That was... <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like that's where they're going. Whereas mm. it seems like in the local, they didn't have somewhere to go. Yeah, because also like obviously Brexit parties and uh, yeah, they, Change UK and whoever didn't didn't stand. Yeah, um, well, I don't think they would have had time no. to to set up stuff like um, like Extinction Rebellion ready for the European election. Haven't had time to set up a proper thing. So they're all running as different independents. <laughs> Fantastic! That's so good because that's a, a was it a closed list system? Yep. So they're going to so be they're going to be leaking each other's votes. Each other's votes. Like, okay, so who who would vote for? Um, go back to locals in a minute. But who would vote for Extinction Rebellion? Like, I was looking in London, and you've got the parties that would be roughly the same kind of ones. You've got the Green Party. You've got like four different Extinction Rebellion independents and the Animal Rights Party. Yeah, and between all of them, there aren't that many votes going around for that anyway. <laughs> Yeah, maybe yeah. Ro oh, it'd be really annoying if, if Roger Hallam gets in, but, you know, 
sent yeah. to Europe and then leave him there. <laughs> um, yeah, I find it very strange, obviously, returning to the kind of what this means for, for Brexit. Mm-hmm. Um, for years, I always remember that the local elections were always like considered a... They're, in, they're a protest vote. It's why the Lib yeah. Dems do so well. Now, yeah. they are very good in certain locales. They have certain strongholds that you would not necessarily think they would have from their general election mm-hmm. uh, turnout. Um, but they always have a way of turning out a lot of people on the doorstep. And they have the, let's say, ideological flexibility to basically say anything <laughs> and it be kind of a Lib Dem policy. Yeah. It did them well from 2010 to 2015. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think I saw that apparently, like their leaflets up in the north, barely mentioned Brexit. Yeah, exactly. And it does. It doesn't matter, does it? Oh. I think it was only up until recently they weren't officially um, committed to a second referendum. Yeah, they weren't officially committed to reversing Brexit. Yeah, and considering that they were supposed to be the Brexit party, mm. it's just it's. It doesn't really seem to, to think. No. But like the thing that most annoyed me, I think, about the, the whole thing was how it was reported that all the op-eds came out and said, well, a 17% turnout in the local elections is clearly enough to demonstrate that everybody wants to stop Brexit as opposed to a 52% mm-hmm. like yeah. majority in the referendum. Yeah, I don't know why people are playing these games and suddenly forgetting... Things that they've said already. I know, right? You always weaponize facts mm-hmm. in terms of like your political ideology, your political view, what you want to see happen in the world. Mm-hmm. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. What I what I find weird is the fact that civil society has largely dissolved. There is no kind of center of people who would say who who would who would be committed to kind of what would be roughly like factual reporting. Do you know what I mean? And again, this is not this is not like saying there was this in a golden rosy. Oh god, past. there never was. And it's not saying that like suddenly class interests are coming to the f- like, like uh, suddenly class interests matter. Mm-hmm. They've always mattered. But there is something interesting about how there are a significant number of people in the liberal centre and in what we would call civil society who are really really committed and for maybe for the first time are starting to just sound like the far right Mm. in the the way that they do things i mean fub has been like that for a while but did you see there was that photo of um there was a poster up in uh some lib dem's house okay um that was saying i have a rottweiler if you are brexit party labor conservative party turn around and then in little letters, it's like, Green Party or Lib Dems, come in, the kettle's on. And it's like, that's such a fucking gammony, like, trope previously associated with the far right. That kind yeah. of, like, jokey, threatening, yeah. I have a dog, he's going to fuck you up yeah. kind of thing. That's, oh. Oh, that, that makes my skin crawl a bit. And it's bizarre that that has happened on the liberal wing. Also silly, because dogs are all, like, pro-Brexit. Yeah, they are. They are. They hate the dog passport thing because there's nowhere a dog likes being in the car for that long to go over <laughs> to France. I refuse to believe it. They are, they all like staying at home. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, focusing on Labour particularly, mm-hmm. um, they lost 80 seats. They mm-hmm. lost six councils. 
there was not a clear split between uh, their vote in Brexit areas and no. Remain areas. They did well in some of each and they did badly in others of each. This was, of course, immediately grounds for Jeremy Corbyn to support Remain and then resign. 100%. Yeah. Um, I saw that they got, a, they, they got a couple of seats on Medway Council for the first time in ages. They did, yeah. Um, Medway Medway's a weird place. We've talked about it before. It's a weird place. It's never really... Like, there's a lot of... Um, well, it's gerrymandering some of the... Mm. Some of the... Um, the, so the difference lines. between like Chatham and Aylesford Council and Chatham, uh, the the, Chat, the Chatham and Aylesford constituency is is one that is that's always confused me because like I grew up in that one, mm. and the difference between the council estate I grew up on and Aylesford, which I only went to for the first time when I was in my mid twenties with a friend from London to pick up a wood burning stove <laughs> from a thatch cottage, and the man was a poacher, <laughs> which was not the Life I led in Medway. <laughs> That's prop. Aylesford's like proper Kent, isn't it? Yes, it's Kent, Kent, not Medway, Kent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but which yeah, is so basically th- a little piece of the north transplanted <laughs> on the southeast. But like, um, yeah. So Medway's always been a weird thing. I've never understood really why mm. they aren't all like hardcore Labour, but mm. you know, southeast selfish. I mean, it is to be honest. Like, we, I think we covered this in our like episode on on Medway, but it is a huge combination of. There's a huge middle class population, mm-hmm. as well as the like working class that, that was left over after yeah. all the industry closed down, and all the mines as well. Mm. People forget that that Kent had a, a like a lot of mines mm. like up until the eighties participated in miners' strike and things like that. Um, so it's not actually that surprising that they do they do swing quite a lot, but it does seem recently they used to swing a lot more. The web, like yeah the the kind of heightening of rhetoric around immigration definitely hit very hard because mm-hmm. people saw it as well they're in Kent so that they're near Calais so they're mm. going to be the first ones to get hit by this wave of migrancy yeah like, yeah they always think that they're, 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 it was weapon like a conservative turn was kind of laid out in a particular way yeah um, but yeah, it's, but yeah it's impressive that they got a couple of seats there's like a couple of other little places where they were getting seats and it's that thing of, like I said, like I don't begrudge anyone not voting Labour in local yeah. elections because if you've lived under a Labour council, for t- like say you, I live think in, I've always lived under a Labour council. Say you live in Harringay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like what, what? 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 In what world would you would you vote for that council? Yeah. Like okay, they stopped it. They stopped the Harringay Wolf Forest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Wolf Forest. I like and it's. I didn't vote for. The, I didn't vote for them in the last locals. <laughs> and I probably won't vote for them in the next one. Like Labour, Labour definitely have a council problem. Mm. It's just not doesn't seem to be one that anybody is anybody in the media yeah. is interested in. Um, but there was the other thing that um, UKIP died. Oh, in the count- and they've all gone to like independence. Oh, they all splintered off into independence because yeah. they, well they've undergone a huge change because they've gone firmly into into fash territory. Yeah, well there was, I saw there was was it a, I think it was a council somewhere in the Midlands. Where I think it went from UKIP to an independent, and it seemed that the main difference between the, what UKIP was saying at the moment and what this independent group was saying was UKIP they really don't like Muslims, and this independent group really don't like travellers, and it's like ah oh, UKIP you fools, you, fools. <laughs> you go for the old classics in the local election. You want to get you want to get your pensioners out to come and vote for you. You offer to be mean to travellers. It is clear we have not listened to the local people. We will do a lot more listening and adjust the targets of our hate. Yeah. That's literally what it was, it was making me like sad 
Well, giggle sad. You know, that kind yeah. of... Oh, look, you lost two... Oh, different kinds of racists. <laughs> Yay. But um, I don't, I haven't UKIP seen are like it. losing... In, they look like they're going to lose out big time in the EU election as well. I can't, I can't so see them. It's almost like Saga of a and Caldacula didn't help. <laughs> well, the stupid thing... But I thought that if the more times Carl Benjamin flip-flops on whether he's going to try and rape Jess Phillips, that would surely help. Or what his view on it is. That seems yeah. to be the, the thing at the moment. All it seems to be is him get yeah. Oh, he's uh, anyway. hilarious. He's just... And horrible, horrible scumbags. Well, uh, the thing is that they, of course... that Obviously, they support... Bre- all that alt-right kind of contingent. Yeah. Oh, they all support Brexit. Yeah. But they're all more concerned about, like, cultural Marxists and, like, yeah. cultural issues generally. Yeah. Which, although UKIP had a certain, like, cultural reactionary... Like, reactionism... Yeah. It was never the main focus. Yeah. Like one of the things that Farage managed to do was keep that laser focus on Europe. Yeah. Now you could have anything associated with it. You could have anything embodied by the mm-hmm. EU, which was like you know bureaucracy and um, like repression of British culture. You mm-hmm. could you could attach any kind of grievance mm-hmm. to that that you wanted. But what he didn't do was actually say it. Yeah. Other than for a few times in the Brexit referendum and yeah. running up to it when he said, you and know, now that he's been on it for once, he he got the most hassle and the most um, you don't sound like a normal working bloke when he said things like, uh, I don't like hearing other accents. In fact, he always went too far when he did it, didn't he? Because mm. he said like he didn't ever name anybody particularly, um, but he would always say like, there's too many foreign accents on trains. Mm. I can understand yeah, that. Yeah, because of course. What he does then is he also sounds like a Labour politician circa 2006. Yeah. Which, that's not what he's there for. Anyway. No. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, like, I haven't seen any kind of analysis of what local councils are, the kind of degradation of public services that have happened over the past decade. Mm. No, none of that. It was, how do you feel about this trading block? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, Brexit stuff always drives me around the yeah. bed. And there's no, like, there's no, doesn't seem to be any analysis of, like, or outrage about the nature of local elections. Like, mm. this, that really annoyed me this time around. Um, did you hear that in Northampton there were supposed to be council elections and they were just cancelled? Why? Um, so the official explanation is Northampton Council. The people of Northampton are too <laughs> simple, simplistic to be able to participate in a true democratic election they adhere to tribal loyalties <laughs> the proudfoot clan were clearly attempting to sink this election yeah but they tried did they try something like that or uh, no basically uh, northampton council is near bankruptcy it's a tory council that's near okay. bankruptcy there there's i don't even know what a local council going into bankruptcy looks like but i imagine if you take say detroit yeah. for example a, a, a modern yeah. like Local authority going into bankruptcy, it means appointing um, like auditors. financial auditors and financial troikas to, to take control of public services and cut them. Yeah, implicitly mm. cut them to the bone. Mm-hmm. Um, officially, it was they're out of money. They are reorganising local councils, including like district and borough councils and things like that, into new uh, regional authorities. Those reforms are not going to be completed. They weren't meant to be completed until twenty twenty. Um, but with Brexit, it might be pushed way past that. And James Brokenshire, the community secretary, said it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be right to hold elections. It's like I love. So I'd they love were just. So they were just. There's so many things you can get away with. Huh. Like of just no, this wouldn't be right. 
Oh, okay. No, the thing is, though, it's not... It's obviously a specifically Tory thing in this instance, but that shows you how much local democracy actually means. Yeah. We're just going to cancel it. Yeah. There's no law in place. No. There's no constitutional arrangement. There's well, not even people being outraged. Well, I saw, like... You know, there was... Um, was it the last general election where there was... There was an election that was... um. Decided on a coin toss, wasn't there, a while ago? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. And in this last local, there was um, one where the Tory, a Tory councillor ended up getting his seat by having one vote because they read a ballot that just said, Brexit now, as a Tory vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some discussion as to whether as to whether that was within the lines of the box, because yeah. if it was within the lines of the box, then it counted. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the, the, I cannot remember the actual statistic... Um, Right, just off the top of my head. Something like 11% of uh, ward elections in the entire country are just just have one candidate. Hmm. Uh, what's that? Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, there's loads of different constitutional arrangements. You could say there's too, like, too many district councils, mm. there's too many differing authorities that overlap. It needs a proper reorganisation. I mean, Britain has that weird combination of probably the most centralised liberal democracy mm. in the world. Like there's yeah, there's before. there's no there's no bit of money that doesn't come from kind of central central authority or doesn't have certain like limits placed upon it by yeah. central authority. And yet there's so much responsibility for public services devolved mm. to to local authorities. Um and it's just bizarre that it's so it's so granular and unaccountable. And like I said, if if Labour has a local council problem, maybe the problem isn't at the top. Mm. Maybe the problem is sack all your councillors. Mm-hmm. Except when they tried that, they were all kind of it was all this fuss about the fact that you're losing such good people. Oh. You're losing all of the brightest. It's like fuck off. They're they're virtually rotten boroughs at yeah. this point. Yeah. How are you ever gonna? Who is a, who's my local councillor? I, I don't no even idea. know. Who's yours? I don't. I've know. no idea. I don't know. I've lived here for a long time. You've lived here for like a decade or more. Yeah, fifteen years. Uh, fifteen years. Yeah, and you don't know. I don't think I've ever known who my local councillor no. is. And like, I try and pay attention. Yeah, but no, it's... it's almost impossible. It, like every year, I try and find out who my local councillors who are up for election are. Oh, that's really hard to find it's out. It's really France. impossible because it's buried in the council websites. Unless yeah. you've got like some kind of uh, local politics coverage, mm-hmm. local like blog or something, mm. who are actually going to go into who the candidates are and yeah. what they believe. What the fuck does it matter? Yeah. But even then, I, like, I don't. Next time there's a local election here, are we going to bother to do that? Because I doubt it. Because no, we know how right. fucking worthless it is. Yeah. Because Labour will win, and they'll be shit. <laughs> yeah. It's. No, they. It's a, if there's if there, like there's a lot of things that Corbyn has like let slip and not bothered with, and complete wholesale changing of how councils are how councillors are chosen. One of the things that made Labour a a big party and like an institutional party mm. was its embeddedness in local communities mm. and working class organisations being embedded in local communities for the benefit of their people. Mm-hmm. You can talk about charities and NGOs mm. and that all you want. And they will obviously do some good. I'm not I'm not having a go. But unless you find a way of organising class-based um, organisations and, and well, mutual aid mm-hmm. of some manner, this is, this is just going to keep happening. Yeah, definitely. This is just going to be... 
it's it's poisonous and it makes you it, it it's a really like demoralizing thing just to exist in a in a system where the people who are going to be deciding where the housing goes or the people who are going to be paid off to mm. decide where the housing goes are elected by you except but not by you on like a 27 27% turnout yeah what's what's the point abolish it all and have a central authority it couldn't be much worse but how else am I going to tell them that I want them to stop Brexit <laughs> I could vote for the party that has literally voted uh, put a table to vote for a second referendum three times but no no <laughs> <laughs> so as we mentioned coming up is the European elections now mm-hmm. that will be when all of these new parties all of these alternatives to Brexit mm-hmm. get unleashed upon the public and the public will have the first chance to vote mm-hmm. on change under slash UK slash for Europe underscore UK. If they had asked me, I would have told them about the pitfalls of hurriedly choosing a Twitter <laughs> handle that hadn't already been taken and it being long and unwieldy as a result. <laughs> you are an expert on that. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was real dumb. <laughs> yeah, so what's their official Twitter um, handle now? Um, change underscore UK hashtag for the cure. <laughs> no, um, I don't know what it is. Hey, I know they on. they changed it two days ago, didn't they? Cause I they, think so. Yeah, they so also since, abandoned their since, previous yeah, one. So since they came out, they were the independent group, the Tigs. Then they became Cuck. Then they became the Cuck Tigs. Yep. Then they changed their logo from a kind of coloured barcode to just a barcode. Um, then they lost the independent group bit, I think, and now they're just change. Okay, so okay. their Twitter handle is at four. Change underscore now. <laughs> They're basically reply guy. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. So because um they had a verified Twitter account. They did yes. And then they decided to change their name, immediately losing their verification, and it won't come back in time before the next before the European election. So good job on that one, guys. Um, they also didn't make sure that no one else could take the last one, and so someone very quickly took the independent group one. And just change it to a banner that's just it was like, a pro oh, Brexit pro now. Brexit. Yeah. yeah, within seconds. <laughs> the thing is, it might be a pro Brexit guy. It might just be someone, some just some random on Twitter having a laugh. Now, like you I'll might, do that. you might think it's churlish that uh, like left wingers immediately piling on their social media strategy after the Labour Party's experience in the Blair years with spin and presentation mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing, but. They're the ones who did that kind of thing. They're the profile of the people who did that kind of thing. They're supposed to be good. There's no excuse. They've got the money. Yeah, they're supposed to be the ones who are best at this stuff. This is supposed to be their thing. They're the new party. They're the new party that are embracing a technical Mm -hmm. apps for food banks. You know, that kind of thing. They're supposed to be those people and it, it it doesn't bode well, does it? Yeah, when they can't work out Twitter. Um... The other thing that they did, actually, I believe they did it yesterday, was they put up uh, candidate profiles mm. for their MEP candidates for the forthcoming elections. So I spent last night going through all of their MEP candidates. Mm-hmm. So, as we mentioned, it's on a closed list. So you have one person at the top yep. uh, and then a list of people following. Uh, depending on the amount of vote they get, the percentage of vote they get in each district, east of England, southeast, London, whatever they will have candidates allocated in that order. Mm. 
right? So the higher up the list, the more important you are to the party. Yes, it is specifically a hierarchy. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go through a few of the uh, a few of the candidates and mm-hmm. see if you can identify any common themes okay. here. So uh, starting in the east of England, the heartland, uh, Bhavna Joshi. Bhavna has worked in the pharmaceutical industry for over 15 years. Oh, fantastic. Currently, Bhavna lives in Hertfordshire. Wait a minute. <laughs> Bhavna enjoys reading, the th- travel, the theatre, concert, gigs, hanging out with friends with a glass of Prosecco, and supporting Huddersfield Town Football Club, especially when visiting her family up north. Oh, what? Okay, so I saw this before. Like, there was some, loads of the MEP things. They haven't put forward like anything that you know they believe. Or, well, like their, you know, their guiding ethos. No, it will just be like, I like tea. The interesting thing on on a lot of them is they, they, a few of them have a couple of lines about uh, this person couldn't believe that we're thinking of leaving the EU. Blah 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 blah. Some of them are just that. Yeah. But all of it is the difference between a CV that lists where you were born and your interests. Yeah. You know, I like reading and travel and movies. It's like yeah. everyone else. It's pointless. Yeah. And then CVs that have like a load of prose yeah. in them. I am a assertive and energetic individual. Loyal. <laughs> like, yeah, loyal. Real loyal. <laughs> to the kids of Saudi Arabia. And I have to say, uh, they did say up north and not oop north. Oh, that's good. Which, that's a, that's a great failure right there. Well, no, I think... I think How are you going to connect with people unless you do accents in what you imagine... Unless, unless you, you do write vo- phonetically. Unless you do voices in what you imagine their accent is. How are you going to appeal to the people there? Yeah. Of course, it doesn't matter because she's not standing in Huddersfield. She's standing in the east of England. Yeah. But there we are. So, yeah. Uh, another person in the east of England, Roger Casale. Roger Casale is an award-winning civil rights campaigner and former Labour MP. In 2013, he set up New Europeans, an organisation which champions the rights of EU citizens in the UK, and which campaigns for the status of EU citizens to be ring-fenced post-Brexit. New Europeans was the first organisation to propose a confirmatory referendum to break the Brexit impasse. Prior to setting up New Europeans, he worked as a senior government affairs advisor in the private sector, including for companies in Basildon, Luton and Chelmsford. He speaks four languages and was the winner of the Financial Times Future of Britain Award 2017. The future of Britain. Just taking all of that. We're an outsider party. We're taking all of the... We're doing things differently. (laughs) Yeah. We're just a different kind of politics. We don't go for that. Private companies work for the government, city of London, journalist world. Well, that's the interesting thing about Cucktig. They've said they're outsiders. They haven't particularly said what they're outside of, other than the Labour and Tory and some kind of notion of the Westminster bubble. So that's why they hired a senior government advisor. I hate the term Westminster bubble because... I hate everyone who uses that term. Well, because it's a cultural manifestation of what is a political and class thing. If yeah. you actually analyse it properly, you'll see that this isn't just something that happened to, to spring up. It's kind of essential to a very elitist yeah. and very closed-off political establishment and class, mm-hmm. which is kind of saying the same thing, mm. but I think emphasising more pertinent points and ways out of that yeah. than, uh, than just saying um, thing. Ah, oh, so uh, the next one is Jan Vincent Jan Vincent Rostowski. Okay. Now he's 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 a big fish. He okay. really is. In two thousand seven, he was Come appointed. Best not 
In 2007, he was appointed Minister of Finance by Donald Tusk, serving for six years until 2013, when he became Deputy Prime Minister of Poland. (laughs) They're just politics in a different way. (laughs) In 2011, he was elected to the Polish Parliament as MP for Warsaw. He was Poland's longest-serving Minister of Finance and attended 60 EU Council of Finance Ministers, giving him unparalleled experience of how the EU actually works. No more business-as-usual politics from these longest-serving finance ministers. (laughs) That's terrible. Now, what wasn't... I did some extra digging. Okay. Now, what wasn't in the Cucktig description of him, Mm. he is a believer in free markets, he is a fiscal and social... Conservative. Uh He believes in vitro fertilization should be illegal and opposes abortion, claiming and also claimed a stable society is based on heterosexual relations and that gay couples should not have access to health insurance. He has since recanted, supposedly, these beliefs, saying, My personal views, like those of many people, have changed fundamentally and are now that we must have equal rights for all people. Boom. Not in the description. I don't understand why. This is a part. This is a new party going forward, uh, marching onwards, um, Westminster bubble and such. You... Actually, to be fair, he is outside the Westminster bubble. He's literally been the in Warsaw the, bubble. the Warsaw bubble. <laughs> but oh, no, people who like people who hold those views don't mm-hmm. just stop having those views, especially old men. Not to be not to besmirch the good name of old, white, right-wing men. <laughs> but when they don't tend to change their views much. It's one of the things that is most known about them. <laughs> no, that's just... <clears throat> yeah, ugh. so he's uh, he's one of the leading candidates in London. Okay. Uh, another candidate in London, Carol Tung. Okay. She's a freelance advisor to trade unions, rights holders and creators in the creative industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is standing because as an ardent European, she believes that our EU membership is vital for the economic, security, social and cultural well-being of the country. A lot of these are interspersed with that kind of shit. Yeah. Right? Um, so they go on about how the old established parties, they don't have the courage and the ideas to face all the problems of the 21st century. Yep. And then at the end it mentions a former, a former member of the European Parliament for London East from 1984 to 1999. Deputy leader of the European Parliamentary Labour Party from 1989 to 1991. <laughs> new parties, new ideas, new faces is what yeah, we need. Yeah, definitely. We need people from outside politics. Yeah. Um, the next one, Annabelle Mullin. Now she was the leader of uh, Renew UK. Oh, which was that other centrist pro-EU party? I remember them. They were yeah. great. Um, Weren't they one of those ones that appeared? They got a load of money from donations and then disappeared. As did the money. Um, there was a hilarious bit where they were locking each other out of their social media accounts. Yep. Um, where they voted, I think two factions voted each other out of the party. Fantastic. Um, it, 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 they've fully allied. They haven't actually dissolved, but they ha- they are running candidates alongside Change UK, like the Labour Cooperative. Um, yeah, yeah, basically. But they've both just got they've they've not completely formed with them because they've got different understandings of what it means to stay in the EU. Well, the interesting thing is that before Renew UK. Um, Annabelle co-founded Advance Together, a local political party that then merged with Renew. So she skipped through two parties in the last like two years that have failed and merged with other parties. Amazing. Um, she's a magistrate. She's completing a PhD at UCL in criminology. 
She worked in mental health in the NHS. A lot of uh, NHS people, mental health people who are in this in this mix. So because they know how it works and trying to recruit kind of the mainly, I would say, the professional classes in the NHS. Yeah. Uh, but she also it's worked as like a police officer and in the financial services. Oh. <laughs> oh. This is yeah. all at the end, by the way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> mm. um, next in London, we have Nora Mulready. Oh, no, about her. We have mentioned her uh, previously, former uh, Labour Party bigger. member and activist, and a writer and commentator on politics. She did that... Um, okay, writing Muslims out on the sides of buildings <laughs> is a kind of writing on politics. It's technically a comment. <laughs> leaving that... It's an opinion piece. <laughs> leaving that on the bottom, below the line, on every news story. <laughs> yeah. Um, is she transphobic? I, I seem prob- to remember is, there yeah. was something about I'm just asking questions. Yeah, I think she is. Um, yeah. But at the moment, I'm working on the notion that nearly everyone is. <laughs> she also pioneered that... Um, I didn't remember until I read the, the Cuptig description. She did that Unfinished Revolution project, which was going to be like that media project. that It was the one where they got... Um, a uh, woman from Haringey. It's going on now. <clears throat> um, it's still happening. The um, the one with cross party getting on with business stuff in Parliament, like getting on with cross party stuff. Um, I don't think it's that. I think it's it's literally like presentations and conventions. Oh uh, it was it was getting the woman who was ousted from Haringey Council to talk about oh, that, housing. Oh oh yeah uh, yeah Claire Cober. Claire Cober. That's it. Thank yeah. you. You're always my name rememberer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, she's the anti hijab anti. Yeah, so we've there's been a lot on her. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, out of all the candidates that were expelled for racism, they went to the wall for her. Is there some particular thing about being an ex Labour councillor hmm. that means you're more worthy of defending than just all the, all somebody the, else? I read all this stuff. It was all a smear against her, <laughs> uh, a baseless smear campaign. Mike Gates told me that. <laughs> he did say that. He says a lot of things. <laughs> so. Um. Moving to the northeast, <clears throat> Penny Hawley. Uh, she was involved in European decision making when she was director general of the UK Trade Association for Manufacturers of Biscuits, Cake, Chocolate, and Confectionery. So, yeah, so <laughs> more business people. She was responsible for finding the common ground among competitors to develop and agree industry. Pop. This sounds. It just reads like a CV, and I know it yeah. is kind of a CV, but yeah, it's but not also exactly. It's like, oh, do you know who I'm going to vote for? It's like. You're not going to man the barricades because someone managed to get a, a unified concept of how thick the chocolate should be on a biscuit. <laughs> really, are yeah. you? You're not going to go to the wall for anything like that. Well, also, is that what we need? Do, yeah. we, need, do we need more business owners? Do we need yeah. more... I mean, interestingly, actually, there's a few business owners. Mostly seems to be the kind of institutional apparatus of technocratic capitalism. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot. So it's advisors to government. I yeah. worked with the EU to facilitate business. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, you've got Catherine Haywood, she's another one in the northeast. Uh, she's an analyst and business intelligence professional with experience in the civil service and higher education. She comes to politics fresh from a career spent in the higher education sector. Wait, what? She served two governments through her role as a statistician <laughs> in the civil service. She's fresh to politics. Yep. She's fresh. Durham University's business intelligence manager. Fresh, fresh to, to politics. Uh, Andrea Cooper, she's an experienced chief executive in the non-profit sector. She was business manager of the BBC Switchover Help Scheme. She started her career with Procter & Gamble and spent five years at Common Purpose. 
common purpose is that thing that um, if there was a Soros, like a British Soros, the far right spent years talking about common purpose as like the um, like the baby eating new labour satanic ritual cult. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it was I think it was promoted by Blair. I think it's like gone into schools and it's like an education charity that kind of thing. But it was a a bête noire of the conspiracist alt right for for mm. years. Um, not that I'm saying that she eats babies, but you know, um, Michael Taylor. Michael Taylor is a co-convener of the Metropolis Think Tank, where he works at Manchester Metropolitan University as head of regional affairs. As editor of the Metropolis Metropolis magazine, a journal of ideas and policies, he hosts events and seminars and is a regular on politics programmes and topical podcasts. An award-winning business journalist. He's a governor of a sixth form college, a non-executive director of two businesses in the events sector and financial services. It's a party platter. Awesome. Why are they all in the... Why did they just say financial services? Why was it... It's important that... It seems to be important to them that they tie them to either the NHS or to a government department or to education and not to specifically name what they were doing in the financial services. Yeah. That's like a few now that have already done that. Yeah, so they're trying to like make them seem like they're new labour. Mm. They're really going for the... Yeah, they really are. And it's there's nothing more new labour, as uh, Michael Taylor did, was uh, support the DUP <laughs> and say that their priorities were normalcy, peace and the union. Yep. These are all important things that I'm sure will do him well where? Uh, the North East. Uh, North West, so it's Liverpool, Manchester, those areas. With, oh. you know... I mean, I'm, I'm going to say there's sectarian tension, but there's a particular... Like profile of Irish people and people of Irish ancestry in Manchester and Liverpool that maybe might not make your outright support for the DUP and the political cl- and in any case the political climate right now. Yeah. Perhaps supporting the DUP a bit of a red flag. I don't think anyone who says that like the DUP are like normal. Yeah, they are one hundred percent aren't. It's just that it's like yeah, that's the first thing I think when I see someone open their wallet and there's a picture of their family and then King Billy. <laughs> Like, it's just normal. Just normal things. Just normal guys doing normal things. And uh, standing alongside Michael Taylor and his support for the DUP, uh, Victoria Desmond, she led a young Fabians delegation to work oh. on the Hillary Clinton campaign, which took 25 young people to America to learn more about international political campaigning. She's also been involved in reforming banking regulation in Australia. <laughs> An immigration specialist caseworker in Parliament and was a key account manager for the New Statesman... <laughs> Oh. Prior to politics, she was a professional actress specialising in musical theatre. So she's always been a liar. That's <laughs> um, all acting is. Professional lying. It is, though. <laughs> it is. It 100%. I just love... It's like, ah, what should we do as young Fabians? Let's go over and go to Hillary Clinton because, you know, we're all losers, but let's learn how to be international losers. <laughs> They're the fucking worst. Uh, Andrew Greystone... Uh, he's an award-winning broadcaster and writer who has heard regular on BBC Radio 2, 4 and 5 Live. Just different kinds of politics. Different, different, different. Uh, he is different, a Different, new, new, different, different, youth, young. He's a member of a church in Longsight, South Manchester. Following the appalling attack on mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, Andrew went viral on the internet after standing... Also, went viral is in um, quotation marks, <laughs> which is very good for a tech-savvy young yeah. party. Um Andrew went viral on the internet after standing outside his local mosque with a sign saying, you are my friends. <laughs> oh, that just seems sad. But uh, you know. oh. Yeah. David MacDonald, uh, he is currently a councillor on East Renfrewshire Council. For who? Uh, he is independent. Mm-hmm. 
he was born in Glasgow, raised in the West Highlands, and then moved to Los Angeles, California in 1986. After graduating high school, he entered active duty military service with the United States Navy. <laughs> He's literally an American troop. They haven't just got a British troop. They've got an American troop. Because what's better than a British soldier? <laughs> American soldier. Because British soldiers, you know, they're tainted with, you know, they might have, they might have killed some white people in the past. <laughs> Uh, he's also a restaurant operator. So he's another owner, another yeah. businessman. Yeah. Uh, Peter Griffiths, he's the former chairman for the Performance Review Body for Single European Skies, advising the European Condition Commissioner for Transport on Aviation Infrastructure. He served in the UK government as Director General of Civil Aviation. <laughs> Heather Asbury, she has a master's degree in modern history. Well, don't we all? Um, she's lived abroad and believes passionately that the United Kingdom is stronger as part of Hang the reformed on. She's EU. lived abroad? Yep. <laughs> she's from out of town. She knows what it's like. They get the films. They, she saw all the films earlier than you. <laughs> she's now back in Scotland and she juggles running her own PR company with looking after her teenage son. Uh, the South East has... Richard Ashworth, he has represented the South East in the European Parliament for 15 years. <laughs> He's been a member of the Budget Committee and was the leading negotiator on the 2018 European Budget. That is in the first. Um, yeah, so it mentions that he was a farmer, mm-hmm. that he, uh, he's been trained in agriculture and land management and spent over 30 years in the food and farming industry. Actually, before being elected... In 2004, he was a dairy farmer in East Sussex for 30 years and operated his own dairy business. He has also acted as chairman of United Milk PLC (laughs) and the National Farmers Union Corporate. So that's a little bit more than a farmer. Yeah, it's not like a small holding. (laughs) Warren Morgan, again South East, he brings 16 years of experience of helping people as a councillor and three as leader of Brighton and Hove Council. (laughs) Just, again, different. (laughs) Uh, Eleanor Fuller. She is a former member of the Diplomatic Service. Her overseas posting was as UK Permanent Representative to the Council of Europe in Strasbourg. Because <laughs> um, isn't it, isn't it with Cuckting that I'm sure I read somewhere that it was it was um it was one of the negotiators, one of the EU, one of the big EU names was going to be knocking on doors for them. Uh, it was was it Donald Tusk or um, uh, Michelle? It wasn't Michelle Barnier, was it? No. But I'm sure that I did see that one of them was going to be knocking on doors for them or the Liberals. Well, it goes really nicely with the recent... Um, I think it was today Donald Tusk was reporting that um, we should have shouted at people more during the referendum because the EU largely stayed out of it, had a mm-hmm. hands-off approach, other than, you know, leaking potentially punitive plans. Yeah. Which is what they always do. Um, yeah. Well, if that's your response to, like, everything that's happened in the last couple of years... Of, do you know what I did wrong? Us, like, do you know what we Remainers did wrong? We were just too quiet. And since the referendum, we've just been too quiet and nice about it. We should have showered at them and called them idiots and racists more. I think it's incredible reading the way that the EU is generally taken in the in the UK. That they thought they needed to be more high-handed and hectoring. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, still in the South East. Uh, Robin Bexter. 
He spent all his life working and raising his family in the southeast as a producer at the BBC and then an award-winning independent filmmaker. <laughs> Successfully run three major production companies, he now lives with his wife and children near Brighton, is heavily involved in the music industry and the charity sector, often alongside his daughter, Sophie Ellis-Bexter. <laughs> Boom! Fantastic. <laughs> oh. Um, so, they're just normal people. They're just normal, normal people from outside people. politics. They're just normal people who all, all, all happen also, to have memberships to BAFTA and Soho House. <laughs> but the, it's also like, don't get Sophie Ellis-Bexter. No. Get Sophie Ellis-Bexter's dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nicholas Mazai, this is a good one, actually. Uh, Nick is a former army officer who has worked in technology at BT for the last five years, developing new digital programs and platforms to support charities. He is the head of BT's My Donate fundraising service. He also... Oh, God, this is boring. Um, he served for nine years as an officer in the Army Education Corps, including operational tours in Kosovo and Afghanistan. I looked him up on LinkedIn. He is head of digital technology. <laughs> That's awesome. on LinkedIn. Awesome. And he's a highly paid head of something at Te- a corporation. Technology? <laughs> uh, what's he's like chief of the technology instant. <laughs> He's also somebody who they didn't bother to check out on social media beforehand, oh. as he had a number of tweets baiting those on benefits, saying, I don't fully agree about why we need food banks. It's better than just giving people money, which sometimes isn't spent appropriately. Taxation's money should be spent on training and return to work support so people don't need handouts. Definitely. In reply, saying, it's not patronising. People still get money in out-of-work benefits, but some people don't use it for the right things. Don't tell me it's not true. I've met and worked with people who mostly spend it on alcohol. Food banks are a good support. A food bank itself told me this. (laughs) Just like you just, you know, um, in Starship Troopers, where Neil Patrick Harris puts his head on the brain bug. <laughs> That's what that was. Yeah, just the sound of the building. They're gonna spend it on booze. <laughs> oh, I hate, I hate people who, I hate. It's like one of the worst things. People who like complain about people on benefits or where homeless people spend their money mm-hmm. and all that kind of shit. It drives me. Oh, I, it, it makes me it's one of those things that makes me feel sick it's like look, me and you have spent there have been large sections of our lives that we've been really poor mm. and been on benefits and the few times that we were able to drink and have fun while being that poor if it wasn't for them we probably would have completely lost it yeah it's like but also it's just also the way of like he just ca- like they all do that they casually say oh people still get fucking jobless people still yeah. get the gyro yeah or something like that and it's like you know they actually kind of don't yeah like that fundamentally that that support for people out of work mm. of scraping a little bit of money together that does not exist anymore even dis- people on disability which is what a lot of like um, out of work people were shifted onto. Mm-hmm. Even that is means yeah. tested to fuck. Yeah. It's odd. like, have you not been paying attention to well, no, they actually don't. people talking well, they in the over the last 10, 20, 30, however many years? Yeah, it, oh, I thought, yeah it's sickening. Yeah. Obviously, um, the kind of and exactly the that co- they'd have in their fucking party. you know popular people, people who really they get on with people. They're ordinary. They're the head of digital technology <laughs> at BT. They have an experience oh. that everyone can share. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up, uh, Susanna Karp. 
She's a climate policy professional working for a UK and Belgium based think tank. Her motto has been, has always been, be the change you want to see. <laughs> That's it for that one. Her motto. Did she pattern it? Is no, she copywritten it? No, it's the fucking office thing of be the change you want to see. Gandhi. <laughs> Susanna Carp. That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, we have Phil Murphy. He's a writer and lecturer currently writing a book set in the Yugoslav War. Set? That sounds like fiction to me. Mm. Uh, not the Yugoslav Wars, obviously. I'm not going down that. I'm not <laughs> fucking living Marxism. Um, a book set in the or Yugoslav the Wars of the 1990s. Yeah, or literally in the Brexit party. Uh, he lectures on corporate responsibility and managing political risk. So far, just another academic. I mean, I don't see what the problem is. He spent 15 years as a political journalist based in the press gallery at Westminster. Okay. <laughs> he was political editor of the UK's main news agency, the Press Association. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, different change, and it's very different because um, he spent two years as director of communications for the Labour Party and special advisor to Tony Blair. Oh god, damn it! They're beautiful people. All of these people are so lovely. He worked in government affairs roles for FTSE Top Ten Company BG Group and was global head of government and public affairs when the company was bought out in 2016. He's done 15 years everywhere. It seems. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, we've got Matthew Huberman. Okay. He is self-employed and works in the hospitality industry in Sus- Somerset, where he's been for over 20 years. Now, that might lead you to believe... Uh, uh, hospitality industry, that self-employed. means bars, self-employed. Okay, yeah. that could be. That could go either way. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe they've you know done a little bit more. Uh, he has a background in politics, having worked for Gerald Kaufman from 1987 to 1992. He worked on both the 1987 and 1992 general election campaigns. <laughs> He has worked for the US, for the Institute for Policy Studies, what in Washington DC, and also in journalism and PR in London. Boom! <laughs> While also being a waiter? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They led you down the garden path. You, you made that assumption. I couldn't possibly comment, you know? What else do you do in the hospitality industry? I have no idea what it is other than like. You own a restaurant. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> self employed because he owns a whole bunch of restaurants. <laughs> yeah, I'm self employed because I have money in the bank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. This is my favourite one. I'm going to read it out in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Crispin Hunt okay. is standing West. in the southwest. Now you may not know Crispin Hunt. Who Crispin Hunt is? Uh, former lead singer for the Long Pigs. Oh, uh, oh. Commonly thought of as one of the the good Britpop bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well liked. I wouldn't say they're a cult or underground, but kind of culty. Um. And I think kind of culty is definitely what you'll come across when I read you this description. Crispin made the Southwest his home eight years ago. As a blissfully married father of four, he is determined that his kids grow up enjoying the privileges of European citizenship and the climate. Holidays. Fucking holidays. Right in there. Right in there. Now, I don't know whether they wrote this themselves or they were, it was written for them. By their enemies? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he believes we need a new multicultural, multi-creed, multi-gender and multinational politics with a multitude of voices from across society. No, this was definitely written by him. <laughs> and a multitude of voices from across society and a society where we use technology, not letting it use us. We need a politics of consensus, not outdated doctrine. We need to work together for the welfare of the world, leading Europe, not leaving it. As a Britpop musician and now a multi-platinum songwriter-producer, Crispin is more Lenonist than Leninist. Fuck that's off. That's actually on the website. I swear to God. I swear to God that's actually on the website. 
Um, music was a mistake. Yes, all music was a mistake. Since reading PPT at Sheffield University, PPT, politics, politics philosophy, philosophy and, and technology. Technology, <laughs> yeah. They knew he was a shoe. Um, he has since been a fruit picker, a barman, a musician, a commons researcher for labour, FAC CEO, I don't know what that is, the chair of Ivor's Academy of Music, creators of, oh, the chair of Ivor's Academy of Music Creators, director of the PRS and PPL, an advisor to UK IPO. As a leading cultural advocate, he has strong relationships across tech, politics, content, news, media, and industry. Crispin relaxes by way of solitary triathlon, festivals, culture, that separately, <laughs> to be fair, Don't. I've been to a lot of festivals. Yeah, but I, I love to go to culture. I love doing culture. It's awesome. <laughs> I go outside, I culture. Oh no, I guess it. So Crispin relaxes by way of solitary triathlon, festivals, culture, people, music, and activism. I love to relax by people. It's my favourite way of relaxing. What I just act- find a load of people and just What activism does some Blairite failed fucking indie musician do? It's, it's so awesome because when this came out, obviously like left Twitter was going off their heads because mm. it's like this cannot possibly be the same person as was in Britpop by the Logpigs oh yeah fuck it was <laughs> and it's as if again as we mentioned before it's as if reality is trying to adhere itself to the comedy stylings of left Twitter yeah it's a bit weird I really need to more directly align myself with comedy that was on the internet in 2017 <laughs> <laughs> it's Ugh. no Britpop has always been terrible um, all music Don't is say bad. anything you can't take back. All music is bad apart from metal. <laughs> no metal band has ever done anything questionable. <laughs> ever. There is one more okay. that I will read one fact out about. Okay. I'll read two facts out about to give you something. So in Yorkshire and the Humber, mm-hmm. Diana Wallace. Mm-hmm. She's a European lawyer, former MEP and mm-hmm. vice president of the European Parliament. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. She's staying, she's joining Change UK Mm -hmm. to oppose Brexit. Mm -hmm. She was elected to the European Parliament in 1999 and she stood down in 2012. She is a passionate advocate of Yorkshire devolution. Oh, that's so good. So good. Now, you know, obviously... As someone who's in favour of devolving every single part of Britain so it no longer exists <laughs> as an entity, yes, I support her in her wishes. But now, I know it's not the same thing. I know Yorkshire devolution is the demand for a, like a Yorkshire Parliament and local spending decisions <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And I know it's not exactly not the same. Not going to be ruled by the fat cat bureaucrats in Westminster. <laughs> Yorkshire will be a powerful dominant force in the EU. <laughs> But, like, isn't the principle... Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Kind of a little similar? Didn't that trigger anything? No. No? No. There's probably a progressive, liberal, maybe even, like, socialist case for devolved local parliaments and staying in the EU. Maybe you could make that work. But it's just seeing it so starkly represented there, like, ending on, oh, yeah, no, I want devolution for Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah. Not, you know, not saying what what degree she wants it, anything like that. No. Well, she's sick of those EU bureaucrats telling her what to put in the Yorkshire tea. <laughs> um, so, as you can see from those candidates, 
Change UK have chosen to fix our broken politics by putting up all the people who broke it in the first place. Yep. Um, I think there's a like a couple of different things that really stuck out while I was going through all those members. There's a lot of there's a lot of NHS people. Mm-hmm. They tend to be high up NHS people Definitely. because they know what the British kind of national religion is. Mm-hmm. It's the NHS. Um, they seem to be like. Regarding kind of their candidate selection and the racism scandals and all that kind of thing, they seem to be stuck in a, like a couple of different binds at the same time. So they've got a lot of money, mm-hmm. clearly, um, but no really effective way of coordinating all these different messages to create one unified thing. They are a party of individuals and yeah. their candidate selection doesn't particularly, other than their opposition to Brexit, yeah. which I guess if you're selecting MEPs kind of makes sense, but... Mm doesn't doesn't really leap out as being a long-term concern. Yeah. Um the other is that they're dependent on mainstream on the mainstream media for their messaging, but they're trying to signal a kind of insurgency style um movement. Hmm. Um their ideological survival depends on separation from the normal way of doing things, of splitting off kind of the decent from the unworthy. Yeah. But they can't do that because they're fully embedded with people who are intimately associated with the like liberal centrism of the past twenty, thirty years. Yeah, that that thing of the um, the MP, the um, the people from the NHS. Mm. It shows like one of the things that's common to a lot of these kind of people not really understanding anything. But it's like people love the NHS. Yes, they yeah. do. People don't like senior managers of the NHS. No, people don't like the head of the NHS trust, primary care trust that you live in. Yeah. Because that's the bit that the bit that everyone's been allowed to be angry about for yeah. years. But they're like it's that again the fundamental misunderstanding like, you know, they do that all the time. Yeah. It's it's something about their kind of their rhetoric is is kind of as splitters. Mm. Now you would think that that would give you a, it's kind of similar to the Lib Dems actually. You would think as the none of the above option as the splitters as the renegades they would be happily kicking the shit out of everybody mm-hmm. they would be identifying enemies i don't even think they're doing it that successfully to labor because they're aping what the entirety of the mainstream media has already been saying about labor yeah do you know what i mean there's no separate identity separate from the mainstream media that they're supposed to be getting out getting away from the westminster yeah. bubble to use well, that phrase again it's like it's in peterborough where they're them, the Greens and the Lib Dems are all coming behind the same independent candidate. Yeah, that kind of thing. They're just taking their place as one of those. Yeah, because that's all they know how to be. They're not rebels. Mm. All they are are establishment. Well, it's, it's it's interesting that they're, they're, they're positing themselves as like a new, fresh force. Mm. But in many ways, they're so old school that they almost appear kind of revanchist. Mm-hmm. They're reclaiming liberalism's territory. And... That's not going forward. Whatever you think of, of like business-friendly liberalism, evidence-based technocracy, mm. it's not new. It's not fresh. It's no. been tried. Yeah. You know, you can't say it hasn't. Um, and these, these contradictions, weirdly, were kind of encapsulated by uh, what Chucker said when he was questioned about the logo. Mm. So they had those logos with a lot of different colours. He said... Um, so Thomas Colcher, Thomas Thomas Colson for Business Insider, asked Chucker Amuna why Tig Change UK is using so many colours in its branding. Chucker's response was, 
It's not relevant. That is Westminster bubble speak. Oh my God, we've dared to use three or four different colours. Listen to yourself. That's the same old Westminster way. Actually, having a single colour as branding has been a tradition to kind of put yourself as a different kind of party. Like, to identify a particular colour has always been the way, and that's not tradition, that's good fucking sense. Well, yeah, it's easy to label it on a map. Yes. (laughs) It's... Um, yeah, yeah. For for all their protesting about getting out of the Westminster bubble, mm. their only measure of importance actually comes from it. Yeah, it's a they're in a, a, a massive bind because if they attack Westminster too actively, they kind of isolate themselves from the mainstream media, which is why they're caught in this halfway house between getting a shitload of coverage, way more coverage than they warrant. Yeah, and then not being able to actually pull out, and you can see that. These are the candidates they got, which are basically single-issue candidates. Yeah. You know? It does seem a lot like like with the, the MPs that they have, mm. that they don't have the best and brightest. They have the ones that were there. Yeah. Like, no one wants Mike Gates in your in their party. Well, that was... No one... Definitely no one wants Gavin Shooker. No. No. Um, and, like... So and you, you know what I mean? Like you, they're not the ones. They're not the ones that they wanted. They're the ones that were turned up. I don't get why they're kind of treating Mike Gates like they said they did when they're in their launch. They said, "And here's Iron Mike Gates." Well, no one thinks he's an Iron Mike, Iron Mike. He's a goof. It's a. It's this weird. It's really bizarre, and I'm genuinely. I, I am ninety nine percent certain that the only reason Mike Gates has any of this attention now is entirely because of real politics. They yeah, did it absolutely. It's yeah. all on them. It's their fault. But what's interesting is that you were mentioning it, that he was on, was it LBC? Yeah. Was... Um, he was being interviewed by Ian Dale, and he was talking about how the Brexit party has shady funding. Yeah. And Ian Dale asked the obvious question is, well, who funds you? Yeah. And he couldn't answer. And you, you told me about that, and it's like, yeah, it's because he is still in the mindset of having all the advantages of having a huge institutional party. If he was still in Labour, no one would ask him about where the funding comes from mm. because it's obvious. Mm. You know, there's it's it's registered within the members' interests yeah, and, yeah. And, and you know it's from the unions and all that yeah. kind of thing. But he's still acting like that's not a thing that you should ask him. He's not prepared for it because yeah. as far as he's concerned, he's just having a jolly out of Labour. And everyone's treated, everyone's kind of in on the joke with yeah, him, like him in particular. Uncle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like the same way, like with his not being able to answer questions. It's like his piss, him, like and the rest of them, their pissy attitude when they're taken, when their labour position on different boards, different like um, yes, different, on the like, committees, committees, yeah, is taken away from them because they're not labour. They don't get to be on those committees anymore because it's a you get to be on those boards, on those committees when you're part um, a representative of. The largest of the second largest party. Yeah, it, all all it shows is how much of that is a is a party of individuals. There's really nothing that unites them other than no. opposition to Brexit. Mm. And you can, and even that. By the way, on the website when I was going through, I tried to have a look at their policies. They don't have policies; they have no. values. Of course, they do. And that's actually mentioned in a couple of the the bios. It's like God. I want stuff on on values, not ideology. Or in one case, they actually said I want um, values, not policies. And it's like, what's that supposed to do for you? What's your long-term plan to do things? They don't have a Brexit policy. It's like they haven't got one up on their website. It's a pretty standard, like it's a a extinction rebellion. We're doing it as well. It's like it's a pretty standard grifter language now of like we're doing politics differently. We're not doing traditional thing. Oh, 
policies, that's you're stuck in the old way of doing politics, where you promise a thing and then answer <laughs> and then live up to your promise. We have vague wishes and hopes that we can never fuck up. <laughs> and like, you know what? There probably is a space for a larger, solid pro-Remain party. I I I, prob- I don't agree mm. with it. No, I don't agree with it. Mm. But there is a there's clearly yeah, a, them. there is a space for it. It's not them. It might not be the Lib Dems, but you can tell exactly how they're operating by their attitude towards the Lib Dems. Mm-hmm. So I think it was uh, I've got it down here. Thirtieth of March, it was reported that they were mulling an electoral alliance oh. with the Lib Dems, similar to the Labour and the Cooperative Party. By the end of April, um, a strategy for dealing with the Lib Dems was leaked that included. Win over Lib Dem activists and members to the TIG cause to win over his supporters. Attract support and resources from Lib Dem backers. <laughs> Tactics. Grow TIG so House of Commons numbers exceed Lib Dems. It's just defining grow themselves base. by beating them. Yeah. It's gross and terrible Completely. and hilarious. There's like, they're literally the only people that they should be allying with. Yeah. But it's assumed that the, the novelty and the... The like cultural juggernaut of having Anna Subri. Th- of having yeah, Anna Subri, a person who basically only goes on telly to whitewash her own record. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. What we have like they have intentions. They don't have any there there doesn't need to be any work no. to achieve like I would say that all the racism scandals must be really disheartening for their base, but they don't have a base. Also, they have vague intentions of having a base, but they're not going to put the work in. Also, their racism scandals are never going to negatively affect their base because their base doesn't consider those racism scandals to be racism. Yeah, that's the thing. Like those, like the like the funny tinge stuff and stuff like that. They don't think they're racist. Yeah, they have a high. They have a hierarchy of. Mike of... Gates would be livid if you accuse him of being a racist. He is. Yeah, yeah. They're they're operating entirely in an era where. They're basically operating in 2007 where you could mm. swim around with kind of nebulous notions of mm. of values and intentions and be happy that your elite position would just kind of make those things happen as long as yeah. you had the institutional position. Which is also, by the way, why Theresa May is still Prime Minister. Yeah. Her institutional power, not actually any, any support or any no, base, no, you know? Um, and it, yeah, I find it interesting that they're still pivoting so much. Like the Tories aren't doing it; are defending themselves on an individual basis. The Labour MPs seem to still be acting like they're in the Labour Party. They're mm. dissident Labour. Yeah, you know, they're they're so. Labour wasn't a, like Tig isn't a mass party, and but Labour at one point was, and New Labour kind of dined out on that for a long long time they could assume that they would have that base of support and that mm. no matter what happened people would just kind of go along and support Labour because they were in a Labour area yeah. and they had a Labour MP now that became less effective as time went on but why are the TIGs acting like they can assume that if they make the right remain sounds without having a policy that they can just scoop up mm. they're believing their own hype Yeah, like it's I was kind of thinking about this with the with the selection thing as well. Like it's carelessness. Yeah, there's a, a form of it's arrogance, arrogance, and 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 just not taking care because this isn't this isn't serious mm. stuff to them. This is this is them playing the this game. Is a gap, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a game. Yeah, and it, as long as you can make the right noises in particular bits, you can be assured of things. I do think that one hundred percent all the Labour members of the Cuck Digs, um, the former Labour ones, 
they think they'll be back in the Labour Party. I reckon they think they'll be back I in the I think Labour certainly a, f- a few of them do. I think maybe Chucker probably does. Anna Subri will just walk back into the, oh, yeah, the post-Brexit Tory party with no oh, problem. Yeah. I think the others might have a little more difficulty, but I think they think mm. that once Corbyn and the left is defeated in the Labour Party, they'll be invited back in. Mm. And it's unbelievably arrogant. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the carelessness. There was a, a, a quote from Great Gatsby that I came across in some article mm. um, that just says... Uh, describing Tom and Daisy from The Great Gatsby, of they were careless people, they smashed up things and creatures and then retreated back into their money or their vast carelessness or whatever it was that kept them together and let other people clean up the mess they've made. Mm. Now, I actually don't think they met, they'll make that much of a mess. <laughs> but they'll be... They're really, really trying to make a mess of... actually quite serious mm-hmm. issues. Like, Brexit is quite serious... Mm-hmm. And it deserves a certain seriousness applied to it, whether you're on Remain or Leave or don't care either way. And there's nothing for that. They do a disservice, frankly, to people who do want to vote Remain because they don't seem to be taking this seriously. No. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just terrible. And I cannot wait to see these people out of politics. It doesn't matter because they'll find all of these people... Have they'll like, find other work. Find other work. They'll be they'll be fine. Or Mike Gates will be bare knuckle boxing Twitter trolls <laughs> <laughs> underneath a pub in Ilford. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's us for this week. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us at wdtatw underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Fighting am the least about the fighting game when Mr. Hoover said to cut my